0: Welcome back to the Canadian Baseball Network podcast. We're excited to be joined for the third time on this show by MLB.com Blue Jays beat reporter Keegan Matheson.
1: I believe our most recurring guest and uh, we're very lucky for that, Matt. Really um, thankful to Keegan for taking time out of what is likely a very busy schedule down there in Dunedin at Blue Jays spring training and uh, yeah, getting a first-hand account of what's going on down there what are the early themes how does Alec Manoa look where are all these infield prospects going to find a way to play and uh, much more here and what is set to be a very uh, eventful spring training for the Jays
0: yeah I guess I should have mentioned that is that we're not getting Toronto Keegan we're getting done eating Keegan so a little bit warmer than it is here in most parts of Canada but we're excited to talk to about everything you just mentioned Jackson Um, so let's get started All right. We are thrilled to welcome back for the third time on the Canadian Baseball Network podcast, Keegan Matheson. Keegan, how's it going?
2: I'm doing well, guys. How's everybody doing?
0: Good. And as I mentioned in the intro, we're not getting Toronto, Keegan. We're not getting Halifax, Keegan. We're getting Dunedin, Keegan. So how's how's everything going down in Dunedin? Uh, When did you get down and and what have you been up to?
2: Man, what is this? We're talking on the 21st. So as we're talking right now, uh, I guess I've been down a week, eight or nine days. Uh, By the time folks are hearing this, I I might need to extraction from florida we'll see but it's uh so far so good the, these early days of camp are so exciting because baseball is back and you get that optimism of spring training where everyone is happy and nobody's screwed up yet i'm sure even the oakland days feel fine right now it's great and, and personally i'm thrilled to be out of the house let's be honest I, I love november and december because i've just been getting my butt kicked for eight months but by the time late January and early February rolls around, even I can admit that I would like to have some purpose back in my life. Uh, so uh, coming coming down here, starting a new season is, is very welcome. And uh, I'm sure it's a little nicer in Florida today uh, than Toronto. So I'm, uh, I am i can't complain. I do complain. I just won't do it when I'm being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> That's OK.
0: Well, you can if you want here. It doesn't bother Love me any. It is like six or seven degrees here in Brantford and the snow is starting to melt, So it's starting to feel like spring, but uh, yeah, nothing quite like Dunedin. So let's talk a little bit of some Blue Jays baseball here. Uh, You kind of mentioned a little bit, the kind of optimism, but what are your kind of your first impressions of camp here in the uh, early days?
2: The camp honestly feels good um, being, being around that team. Um, Beau Bichette uh, spoke to us uh, just today talking about how he believes it's the the first year where there have been doubters around this team and admittedly when i hear the word doubters or you know there are haters my skin starts to crawl it's i just think of you know the nfl team that goes 17 and 0 and says nobody thought we'd be here in the super bowl shut up but bo a when he talks i, I listen i i think he is really the voice of this team and i think he's onto something i think he's right uh, the blue jays last year the year before the year before have always been a trendy pick to come out of the American League. And that's what's going to happen when you have so much talent on your roster. And every, every, every year, we're talking about how this will be the big breakout year for Vladdy or someone else. That They've always had high expectations. This is the year where it feels like not just Blue Jays fans, but when you're getting larger national and U.S. predictions, people seem tired of the Blue Jays. I I think a lot of Blue Jays fans uh, seem tired of the Blue Jays. And when you're running back a roster that's pretty similar, I get it, frankly. But I think the team is taking that the right way. And absent of any massive new signing or trade coming in here, they've got to make it work with what they have. And I think the players, at the very least, at the very least, recognize that they need to try this differently we've got all the same guys last year didn't work okay how can we do this differently this year that's a fine starting point uh, we'll see where that goes but uh, certainly that early camp optimism and excitement from a lot of these guys that
0: that's interesting you know it was a i guess interesting would be the word for the offseason i want to touch a little bit on that some of the new guys that have come in but the overall mood because it is so many of the same returning players returning coaching staff what kind of is that mood as far as their expectations and and what's been what's transpired between losing to the twins in the card series and now
2: I, I get the sense a lot of these guys are yes yeah, like completely upset of what happened how it all went but maybe grateful and relieved that they get another shot at this. It happens a lot where you're in a group that you really believe in and it falls apart and you don't get to try again. Now, should the Blue Jays have done more this offseason? I think so, but the reality is this is what they've got right now. They need to win with a pretty similar team to what they had last year. And if you're a player in that clubhouse, I think that excites you because you and your teammates, the guy next to you have all been getting crapped on for four months. And in many ways, rightfully so, I think guys understand that. There's a reason that people aren't as excited about that team this year, but you get to have an opportunity to kind of rewrite that narrative. And that can be really exciting. Uh, that can not only make this year better, but make last year better, make people forget about that. So I think that we're going to need the full run of spring training to really see what that looks like. A lot of talk about better communication and execution and transparency and all of these words seem to have more and more syllables every time I hear them. But I think that the the headspace of the team, and I know that that can sound flimsy, but I really do believe that the team is kind of approaching this in the right way, that they've got a chance to – to rewrite what went wrong. The same guys, the same team, and they can fix it. Now, if they don't, yikes, it's a double <laughs> It's a double whammy, but they've got a shot, which not all teams get. So you think that
0: the general feel is that they think they can fix it with what they have internally right now? Because I do want to talk about the offseason, get your impressions on the off season. but saying the move's pretty positive, they think that they can do – do damage with the team that they put together
2: that seems to be the case and it seems to be echoing a lot of what we hear from the front office through the year which is that the pitching was great it will be great and the offense will be better in the most general terms now my counter to that is that that is leaning on the complete assumption that the pitching is amazing again which is real dangerous the blue jays rotation is fantastic Each of those starters, I believe in, especially those top four guys, an incredible veteran rotation. The Blue Jays have nailed that, period. The bullpen is really, really good. What they need to avoid is another bad year, leaving me to write, I I can see a future where for 10 years, 10 years from now, I am writing, imagine if this lineup had the 2023-24 bullpen. Imagine, imagine if that was possible. That's how good these pitchers are. But Chris Bassett kind of alluded to it the other day, and I, I respected how he he did. He wasn't predicting they were going to suck. He just knows that guys get hurt a little more than they did last year. He knows that having four guys make 30, 31 starts just does not happen all that often, even if you're really good. You need to account for luck. The last two seasons, the Blue Jays have not had enough starting pitching depth, period. But in 2022... They were saved by Ross Stripling, which ain't going to happen every year. And in 2023, they were saved by Trevor Richards kind of bridging a gap and by Hunjin Ryu coming back right in time. There's going to come a season, and maybe it's this year, where they need 11 or 12 starters. There's going to come a season where a reliever who you think is really good and who is really good just sucks. That's how relievers and bullpens work. So not only does the the offense need to get a little bit better i think it needs to get a lot better and it needs to account for the fact that the pitching might not repeat what it did last year so that's uh that's what you hear i think coming out in drips from guys like beshek guys like chris bassett who really understand how this works and they understand it's not going to be all sunshine that that everyone needs to get better but that's what they're left with for right now that they need to improve from within. They need Vladdy. They need Kirk. They need Manoa. They need a prospect to show up and do something. It all has to come from within. And on top of that, you need the positives of 2023 extend that to, you know, can Kevin Kiermaier repeat? Can these things happen? Those have to happen too. So uh, as you can see from how long this answer is, I apologize. It's, it's a lot of things need to happen. And it, there's a lot of buts involved in this. So it can't just be one breakout. It's not just Vladdy getting better and this team goes to the ALCS. It, it, a lot needs to happen.
0: Just what Blue Jays want to hear. A lot of buts heading into the season. Hey, there we go. So let's talk about some of the offseason pickups here. Let's, and, and we'll start with the offense. Justin Turner, um, he's yeah. done it his entire career. Uh, I think he would have led the Blue Jays or been in the top three in a bunch of offensive categories, but he's 39 years old. Where do you see him fitting into this lineup and how realistic of an expectation is this team putting on him to, to drive in runs,
2: essentially? I like Justin Turner a lot as a player. Like really like him as a player. Uh he is battling time here. You know, at his age, guys just don't produce like he has been. He has clearly found a way to stay ahead of that. Part of it is the unique swing he has and seeing him a bit last year with the Red Sox, you know, prior to that, I I'm not exactly staying up to watch West coast Dodgers games after the ballpark every day. So it's been refreshing to see a bit of him lately. Then in spring training, he's got a very unique swing, a unique load. That's very simple. I think that's helped him stay good uh, in major league baseball late into his career. If he can give you that, 7.90 to 8.10 OPS type of deal, you're happy. Now, there's going to be a lot of DH. I don't think there's going to be much third base. There will be a little bit of first base. And consider it to be Brandon Belt, who plays a little bit more of the field, essentially. I like the move. I like Justin Turner a lot. And I I think he's on an infield that's just full of guys who play 45 positions, and that whole puzzle becomes exhausting pretty quickly. He's at least a simple piece, and, and he can be that. Uh, you know, I I don't want to say adult in the room because I think that's insulting to the other guys. But it's there's something to be said about experience uh, about a guy who's been there and who understands what it looks like when a team is succeeding in the postseason. Which, you know, along with that, comes you know Turner saying, "Hey, in L.A., we made the postseason nine times, won one World Series." I haven't figured it out either, you know, but he's he understands what goes into this, what it looks like when it works, and that has real value. Well, I think that's interesting because obviously he's going to get a lot, a lot of at-bats at the DH position,
0: but the Blue Jays are also going to need that spot for Vladdy, George Springer. Mm-hmm. Um, so how comfortable do you think this front office is since that signing with Justin Turner playing a little bit in the field? Like you said, probably mostly first base, but is that something that they can rely on and, and is that a health concern to them, do you think?
2: First base, I think you can be pretty comfortable with uh, as long as he's not uh, having to chase anything down too far. First base, you feel okay. Third base, I'm right now, I'm not expecting to see a ton of that. And my God, are you going to appreciate how good Matt Chapman was when you see people who weren't Matt Chapman playing? We even saw that a bit last year, guys. I remember any time that Matt Chapman would miss a game when he had that finger issue from jamming it in a weight. It seemed like every single time he missed a game, two or three balls would sneak past the third baseman. And it was turning me into some old-timey baseball hack of like the ball finds you in the field. It doesn't work like that, but it felt like it did. You really appreciate how good he was when he was on the field defensively and how good that entire infield was, how much he saved Bo Bichette from having to move at third base. That's important. So I don't think we see Turner a ton over there. He can do it if you need, and that's a good thing. But at a certain point, and I think this with all talk of versatility, yes, versatility is good. Yes, depth is good. At a certain point, do one thing well. Have a few guys doing one thing well and go from there. So I I think DH, having him working some, you know, uh, not platooning, but working matchups well, I, I think he fits really well in that lineup.
0: So I do want to talk about what I think is an influx of infield competition in spring training. But before I do, I want to touch on the other big offseason signing, Yario Rodriguez. Do you see him this year? Like, is there a chance he starts in AAA to build up innings, or do you think he'll, he'll crack the big league roster? It seems like an odd thing to have a guy you just signed to a five-year yeah. deal start in the minor leagues, but it makes sense from a l- farsighted, long-term idea.
2: Yeah, I could see him starting in AAA, uh, and it it feels off. But even if you need a month to to kind of get your feet under you, now I, I know pitching in Buffalo when it's like five degrees in April isn't isn't the best either. But we'll see where he goes through camp. I I do think there's a little too much of an assumption that he's just landing here and firing on all cylinders. He looks great early on. You, you can from a very basic standpoint, uh, you know it layman looking and watching him throw he looks good but you're talking about building him up you're talking about the pitch clock adjusting to the mlb ball from the japanese baseball the leagues use different balls adjusting to hitters how the style of hitters are so much different in mlb compared to in japan in cuba so there are so many factors a lot of those are very small factors but when they start to add up and multiply you're also dealing with a young man who landed here in the U S like a week ago. And I, I got a lot of questions after his first bullpen. People, what's the velocity? Of what? I don't care. The guy hasn't unpacked yet, man. My God. Okay. I, I live you know, in Toronto and fly down to Florida. It takes me a couple of days to be even be decent at my job. That guy's coming to a new country, new apartment, new life. I'll give him a couple of weeks. Easy. We'll see where he's at workload wise the mystery for me guys is that it's, it's easy for me to say he didn't pitch at all last year, but he was doing something. He wasn't sitting on the couch. Now, can you quantify that? Can you call it 40 or 50 innings? Was he pitching against high school kids who live nearby? Like, how do you measure where his arm is at? That's really tough. So triple a totally on the table. Absolutely. And that wouldn't be a failure by any means. That would just be a matter of strategy, I think. And That would be a situation where as as coaches and GMs like to remind me when I'm writing my 20th roster projection of the spring, um, the opening day roster isn't always what matters. Um, You get into the option game. A guy like Mitch White, you know, I'm not sure if I'm projecting him on the team right now, but he's a guy that's out of options. You you run into some guys who are up against those roster issues. You keep them for a few weeks. Yariel stretches out a bit more. A lot of ways this can look, but he's yariel i like that signing a lot of the offseason i was not uh wild about yariel rodriguez brings upside in his prime physical years for a decent term i like that contract i I think it's what the blue jays need more of upside and i think people are going to like him pitching he has i think some real potential to be a guy that other teams and other fans absolutely hate, which is an incredible compliment. I think. I, I think he's going to be the guy that strikes you out and makes you very aware of the fact. <laughs> he just struck you out.
0: It's going to be entertaining TV, I think, if nothing else. But as they stretch him out, having not pitched last year, do you think there'll be some sort of innings cap? And if so, how does that impact where he slides in? Whether he's kind of a long man of the bullpen or you know in that rotation in that five spot.
2: Yeah, there'll have to be I, I, there. There will probably be an innings you know, moving target maybe. And the Blue Jays will use a lot of uh, like other things through the season. So there's a million things that I, I'm not smart enough to understand, but for example, it, they'll measure guys through the year. If their release point starts dropping, well, are they tired? Is their shoulder tired? That's how they set maybe a target for a, not Yariel, but a pitcher, a general pitcher at a hundred innings. Well, Maybe if his velocity is dropping and his shoulders dropping, you try to go for 90 or 80 instead. If he's looking strong, you go to 110, 120. I I think Rodriguez will have a ballpark, but his will be, this is the best way to say it, a much looser target than your average guy. A a Ricky Tiedemann or or for an Alec Manoa, it'll be way looser. And it's going to have to kind of go on the fly because there's not much of a blueprint for this, really, what, what Yariel is doing.
1: Spring is on the horizon, which means so is March Break! So why not swing into spring with the Baseball Zone's 21st annual March Break Baseball Camp? It takes place from March 11th to 15th and anyone aged 5 to 13 years old can sign up. What better way for your child to spend March Break than staying active and honing their baseball skills at the Baseball Zone's top class facilities? For more info and to register, head to thebaseballzone.ca. So let's go
0: back to the what I mentioned, the kind of the influx of infielders. I, I got some names here. Eduardo Escobar, David Schneider, Kevin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, obviously Bichette, Kiner Falefa. It seems like there's a lot of guys on that list that I just said that do a lot of the same things. How does this shake out over camp? Not to mention there's also prospects in Arelvis Martinez, maybe Addison Barger slides in there for some competition. How does How do you see this shaking out going
2: forward over the next six weeks? Yeah, it needs to be more than just depth for the sake of depth. I know depth is great. It's great when guys are getting hurt and you can fall back on good MLB level options. But at a certain point, you need starters. You need guys who can do something the others can't. I want to see more of the young guys, frankly. Um, it's When you have guys like Escobar, like Santiago Espinal is in a weird spot on this roster right now. And I don't really know what that spot is frankly, especially because Isaiah kiner falefa can play that shortstop, which is kind of been Espinal's way to stick on this roster up until now, that backup shortstop. But when you look at someone like an Addison Barger who's third base and right field, um, Arelvis Martinez really excites me. Uh, as someone who uh, you know, I've watched him take batting practice the last few days, he's in better shape, but in an exciting way where it looks like he's physically matured. Like he doesn't have the body of a big kid anymore. He actually looks like a more of a grown man baseball player. And I, I talked to just before we talked actually an hour ago. I talked to Edwin Encarnacion about Arelvis for a while. He loves the guy, you know. I I said Edwin a couple of years ago. Vladdy compared Arelvis to Hanley Ramirez. Do you agree? And he says no. Arelvis has more power than Hanley. Like he has amazing power, and it's true now. Is he going to strike out 200 times? We'll see. You just have to let him try. But on a team that needs upside, you need some of these guys to pop. Like, you need a good story. You need a Davis Schneider-level story that's going to last all season. And out of those guys, you know, when you look at the more MLB-level guys, who can do something unique? Well, Davis Schneider can hit for power. I still think this team needs to hit for more power, despite the – rebranding of that message last year which I didn't necessarily agree with when you look at someone like Kevin Biggio okay well he can move around and be that great bench player who still kind of gets into 90 games but the the depth needs to sort itself out and when when, even when you look at someone like an Eduardo Escobar who's a player I like I like Escobar he has some good baseball left in him Daniel Vogelbach's another example of this not having a spot in the 40 man is kind of tough at this point, you know that you really got to do something uh, to make a team tinker with that forty man, but uh, it, it, it's so complicated at this point. And frankly, it feels more like a matter of philosophy than a matter of competition. Which, which sounds a bit wishy washy, but what I mean by that, that is that, that
0: sounds like a Ross Atkins thing to say. I
2: know. Oh, I hate myself. I've been <laughs> I've been hanging around uh, executive types too long. But instead of a classic who plays better in spring training. I think this might just be about more about, okay, who fits the matchup game best. Uh, And I don't know how much spring training numbers are actually going to impact this. I think this is way more about the type of offensive brand they want to have, which means what does Donnie baseball, what does Don Mattingly want to do with this lineup? Do you want that righty mashing Daniel Vogelbach on the bench who can do one single thing and he does it real well, but he's going to do one thing for you. Or do you want to have another guy who can do five things kind of okay? It's a philosophical matter more than who plays the best. I really think.
0: So yeah, touching on a couple of things, this kind of goes back to what we talked about. I think when we, when you were in Colorado at the end of the beginning of September last year and these prospects, it seems like there's still a hesitation to kind of give mm-hmm. them a shot. And I know all Martinez is still young, uh, but at what point does that have? Like you said, yes, he, he needs to pop for this. For him to really him, to, he first of all he needs to get an opportunity, but for him to pop to kind of put this offense in a good spot,
2: it's it's tough for a Relvis right now because there's so many he'd need to jump over, and it would be hard to have patience with that. Like a Relvis is probably the ultimate example of a prospect you'd have to have some patience for he might come up and go over 17 with 15 strikeouts in his first four games. He he really might. But if you're patient, he also might hit a ball 700 miles the next game. You know, he's someone who would really benefit from, okay, no matter what, you're going to play every game this month. Go out and do it every day. We're going to have your back no matter what. Doesn't matter if you suck today. I think would be really important for Irrelvus. I don't know if that opportunity is available right now. There will be some opportunities that might suit someone more like an Escobar or or Ernie Clement or Santiago Espinal where, hey, go play a few games. Whatever happens, happens. We need you for a few games. But Arelvis is a guy who I think that when you call him up, the Blue Jays want him to be up, period. And it doesn't feel like that's happening right now. I, I think he should get a longer look in spring training. I know that there just aren't that many reps there but at a certain point you've got to let him run with it and he represents upside more than anyone in that depth group it's maybe not the likeliest upside in the world but what the hell who is as a prospect you know you have to take big swings eventually and that that time's going to have to come for the blue jays especially if a starts out hot that'll get really interesting
0: what are your thoughts on David Schneider? Because obviously he had the big start. He had a, a pretty good, a really good run. Um, but at the end of the year, he, he kind of teetered off. And, and we see sometimes with pitchers start making adjustments, especially in the big leagues. Is that is the hype around David Schneider similar to what it was at the end of last year? Or is it kind of cooled off a little bit? What's kind of the expectation for him, do you think?
2: I think there's a little reality involved now. Um, and it's all about that first adjustment. It's full credit to David Schneider. I love his story, man. Coming up, when he was drafted, what he did, If you even before he broke out, every player development or coach person I talked to would say he's a fan favorite, coach's favorite, does everything right. Uh, He earned it 100%. And I think that he is still an important piece of this team because he can hit for power. He can play second base with a little bit of left field, which is interesting. But pitchers know who he is now. It's, we've seen this on a grander scale with guys like Vladdy. Yeah, okay, you come up, you take the league by storm. What is your second act going to look like? For Davis Schneider, when he debuted in Boston, yes, you prepare for everyone. I don't think the Red Sox were leading off their meetings with Davis Schneider. I don't think they cared much about this guy who was a late round pick, who just got called up. With the mustache, who's wearing chunky white dad shoes out in the field. They're probably not shaking. Eventually, you see the numbers, you see why he got here, and teams are going to start game planning. They're going to say, "Okay, this guy who's getting all those stories written about him, who's hitting home runs like crazy, let's try to find a weakness in his swing." Now, at the time, and I, I believe even talking to Davis about it, saying you know that high fastball at times was something he needs to either learn how to hit or learn how to lay off. It's about getting to that power because his power to the pull side, kind of a lot like Danny Jansen in a weird way, it's really impressive when he leans into that identity. And I do think he has an identity as a hitter, but other teams know that now, not just the Blue Jays. And that's when it gets tricky. So a player who I like, that's not going to change. But the reality of baseball is that now everyone's going to try to get him in a more specific way instead of pitching to him a little bit more like you might in a spring training game. So it's going to be a challenging year for Davis. I do think that he should still be getting majority reps early in the season in the lineup as much as he can, trying to boost that offense. If you need to trade a bit of defense, whatever the defense is pretty good. You can take it, but it's, it's not going to be handed to him. uh, Exactly.
0: Yeah. My next thing was, is it, this is, isn't necessarily the way I mean it, but is it kind of his job to lose at this point to a slim margin as it stands right now? Do you think he's the starting second baseman? And, and obviously there's a long way to go before the season starts, but kind of where does he stand on, on that front?
2: Yeah, I, I would have him as that like 51% second baseman, which is the nature of this infield. But I think I, I would have him as that leader at second base, Kevin Biggio as the, the leader of that next wave, and it can go a lot of different ways beyond that. But I think Schneider off the top, and that's the position where you, you'll you see matchups played quite a bit. It, it gets more interesting for him if he can play some left field competently. If he can slide out to left field when a lefty is on the mound and let the Blue Jays do some different things with Varsho and Kiermaier, because Kiermaier not going to play 160. Maybe he'll, he'll play about what he played last year in a perfect world. And we've seen in the past how injuries can bite him too. So you need a guy who can play a bit of left field and, and maybe Schneider will be that. Um, that's one of the things I'm more interested in seeing this spring, frankly, is how he looks in left field defensively.
0: Let's talk about another one. The, the Jays' top prospect. You tweeted recently how good Ricky Tiedemann looked. Oh. Uh, <laughs> how and his tight pants, I might add. Um, <laughs> kind of, kind of, I saw a picture of him and Robbie Ray next to, next to each other. It looks like, looks like an identical,
2: yeah, I asked him if they were Robbie Ray's pants and he <laughs> said, uh, they're just last year's pants and I got bigger. And I, I said, I, I know the feeling, man. It's, uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I think he needs to get resized.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about how he's looked. You've seen him in person now and kind of the expectation for him going forward. Is it realistic that he could factor into this rotation? Maybe not, if not on opening day,
2: sometime soon? I think he has to. Uh, he He looks ridiculous. Like the physical shape he is in, is absolutely outstanding and he is entering the year closer to 240 so he's he's put on about 20 pounds of of weight over the off season and he told me that compared to this time last year it's about 19 pounds of muscle and which even i i said really like that's that's ridiculous but it's kind of similar to that huge physical jump he had two years ago where he just exploded out of nowhere and added big velocity. I don't think he's going to add velocity from here. He's not throwing 101. Frankly, I don't want him to. It's the the human body can only do so much, and I've I've learned over the years that's there's a, a line that crosses from excitement to to oh no, can the human body take this? Uh, you call it the Noah Syndergaard line, I, I guess. <laughs> it's it, it can get scary, but he looks so much better suited to sustain it over a year and the other thing I liked that he said to me was that last year he made the mistake of pitching like a closer too often and he did it was fastball slider let me strike you out he knows now that he needs to pitch more like a starter lean on that changeup, which can be really good and get a bit deeper in the game so maybe he has 100 maybe has 110 innings we'll see I think they should start him in triple I expect him to start in triple a do it like you did last year. Start out with those three inning, three and two third inning starts for a couple of months that gets you up in the range of that 30, 40 innings. And you've still got a good chunk to play with for the stretch run with the Blue Jays. Maybe that's a hybrid role. Maybe he's starting, but at a certain point, the 13 best pitchers in the organization need to be with the Blue Jays. And my God, like Ricky Tiedemann's already one of the 13 best pitchers in this organization. There's a case to be made for a bit more development and inning management, but just today and, and again, we're talking on the 21st of February, I stood behind the cage and watched his bullpen. I've I'm not stupid enough to believe that February matters much anymore. I've learned over the years, but even uh, Jose Berrios was standing a foot to my right and he just kept shaking his head and muttering to himself. like it, it other pitchers who have seen this over and over are looking at this guy and just thinking, wow. Like what he does with the baseball from the left side is rare. Now, if we had have recorded a podcast in 2018, I'm saying all the same things about Nate Pearson. Surely these things can go wrong, but in terms of. I can't help, I can't
0: help, but have that comparison in my mind, just because that is the last big Jays prospect. Um, But, yeah, it seems like Tiedemann's really taken the – so do you think that he can be the fifth starter on opening day? Is that a possibility or is that highly unlikely given not only Mm -hmm. the innings cap but kind of where he is in his development and what this team needs? Because, like you said, at the end of the day, the 13 best pitchers are going to be on this roster and as they should be given their goals and expectations.
2: Yeah, I don't think he'd be the opening day five. I think if something happened or if Alec Manoa doesn't have it or if there's an injury – um, I still think that would be Bowden Francis, who I really like, and other pitchers will not shut up about Bowden Francis, and who who is also just a cool dude. I, he's he's interesting. I, I think fans are going to like him the more they see him. But I still think Bowden Francis would be in line for that. Um, but Ricky Tiedemann, I think he. I, I don't know if there's anything he could do to pitch himself onto this roster right now just because the Blue Jays are going to need to have August and September in mind. And if you start him in the rotation right away, you're really staring down the barrel of a workload injuries, but just running out of gas uh, down the stretch. I think they need to maximize and just even take April and May as just an extension of spring training, minor league hybrid, just keep him safe, keep him slowly rising and leave a bunch of innings, as many as you can, for the stretch run. It's funny as we talk now. You're starting
0: to see a little bit of it, a little bit about uh, this pitching depth here. You have Rodriguez, mm. you have Tiedemann, you have Bowden Francis, who's looked really good, like you just mentioned. The big one here, though, is Alec Manoa. He looks like he's in better shape. Uh, you made the joke about how it's the best shape of your life season, um, yeah. but he really does look like he's in better shape. He looks there's a smile back on his face. He looks more like the Alec Manoa of 2022. Um, tell us a little bit about your interactions with him and and how he's looked. I know still early days, but um as we head into the games
2: here, yeah, looks better. Uh, it's and I know that I, I know that when I share these things, people tell me it's only February. I'm aware of the date, okay? I get it. I know what time it is, but you can control a certain number of things up to this date, and he's nailed those things, okay? And it's uh, it's amazing how two things can be true at once. The whole world would really be uh, simpler. Well, if, I'm going to ask in the middle of July what day it is, and I don't know there, if that'll hold I'll I have day. no clue. But Manoa, for what he could have possibly done up until now, fantastic. He has trimmed down. He has acknowledged that last year sucked. And that's the starting points. You know, it, it, it's... Last year, as it was going on, we still don't know the full story of how that went. I don't think it was all handled comfortably from both sides. It, it seemed a little contentious. And when there's room left open for that, you don't like it. But he has looked back now, and one option for him would have been to say, oh, it's the Blue Jays' fault. They screwed up. I should have done this. And the... No, he 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 looks back, and he sees that it was bad. And... He recognizes that his mentality changed last year for the worse, that it snowballed on him a bit, and that he kind of lost that bulldog attack, attack, attack mentality that made him great. That's as important to get back as anything else. I don't really care what he th- if he throws 92 or 94 whatever. If his sinker has whatever vertical dip on it doesn't matter to me too much. He needs to be attacking the zone and rediscovering who he used to be as a person, as much as a pitcher. That's what made him great. Like Alec Manoa never lights up a radar gun. He doesn't have a slider that wrecks people or anything. It's it's about pounding the zone and that confidence he has. And frankly, the bar is low. He doesn't need to put up a 2.3 ERA. If he puts up a 4.1 ERA through the first couple of months and just kind of consistently gets to the fifth, sixth inning, that's enough. That's more than enough. Like, look at the state of number five pitching in Major League Baseball. Most A lot of teams aren't even really going with a traditional guy. It's a mishmash of openers and hybrid guys. If you have steady innings from a number five, big winner. And I think Manoa can do at least that. And we all know that he can do a heck of a lot more than that. But the bar should be pretty low. Like He should be able to do this.
0: Is there tension still there from the way it was handled last year? Or is that for lack of a better word, a bullshit
2: narrative? It's at the time I did sense there was some, I don't think it's going to be one that we ever really get the full story of. And that's okay. That's not a, it's not a dig. It's, and it's completely an Alex, right? Not to air that out. It may, it may not always be beneficial, but I think at the time it was clear that we were getting one side of the story and Having both sides out and clashing together, maybe that wouldn't have helped either. But there are, there were certain, the best way to say it is that there were certain points where I intentionally did not wade into that conversation because I felt like I was only hearing one side of it. And that's a little tricky. It was something I didn't exactly want to step in because there's an entire side of this that is Alec Manoa and who is not just a player, but frankly, a person who is dealing with failure in pro ball for the first time you come up for a few years in professional ball and i know he struggled at west virginia for a bit but in pro ball you land in the pros you're god immediately you're everyone's favorite player you are the new king of toronto you're third in the cy young award race you got a documentary you've got sponsorships you've got deals every just i can't imagine this in my especially in my job as a reporter everyone likes you i can't imagine what's that like what that's like it's uh, not that it goes to your head, but it's just it creates a reality that I don't think I or we can understand. When that goes away, that's got to screw you up big time. So I think for him getting back out of that, having some support from from teammates and and I, I think from fans too. I think there's a real eagerness from people, like real earnestly, to see him succeed again because it would be a hell of a story. And I don't care who wins or loses, I care that there's a short game and I can have a drink after and I'm happy. But I love a good story and I would love to write that comeback story because that would be a hell of a story if he comes back on that. And you know that if he does come back, he's going to let people know about it too.
0: I mean, write the write the story and have a late night drink. I'm sure that would be the right. best of both worlds.
2: Those are usually the best stories.
0: So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the the free agent market still. I'm sure you haven't had a lot of time to talk to other beat reporters, other people, other around the outside of the Blue Jays. But are, are the do You get the feeling that the Jays are done here. And and what? And a second question: What the hell is going on with this market right now?
2: Oh, it, it, I hate it. it. It's um. I don't. I don't really expect. Um, you know, as as easy as it would be for for someone in my position to say, oh, it wouldn't surprise me if, just so I can sound smart and in the know. I don't have any reason to expect something uh, right now uh, around this team. The Blue Jays are one of many teams who should be still poking around on these guys. What I'm fascinated to see is if a Chapman, Bellinger, those types, if it gets really ugly up close to the season, is someone going to drop down and take that 2021 Marcus Simeon deal and try to bounce this back again? But you look at someone like Matt Chapman, this might be his one big chance to cash in. And... As a just as a rule, I, I'm pro player. I want the player to get the money, you know. And, and when it when it's a guy like that, who might just have that one big chance, you want him to get that cash. And I hope that Chapman does get a six year, hundred and some million dollar deal somewhere. But as this market keeps unfolding, it's tough. You look at Blake Snell still on the market, Montgomery. It, it's it's unfortunate because I don't know if I have the right answer either. You know, having a a signing deadline at some point makes a bit of sense, but how does it look in practice? I don't know if it makes sense in practice. How do you get it so that you're a little bit closer to the NHL or the NBA where it just opens up and boom, there's a rush? And it's uh, it's something that I hope MLB can move towards. That's going to be something I think we're going to hear a lot about in the next CBA talks between the union and the league how can and i I think and i hope that feels like something that that both sides can want together you know how can we improve this for fans and make this a bit more exciting i always use the nba as an example for an exciting league and I, i think baseball is a very exciting league it's not what i'm saying but the nba how that's so personality driven and the big trades stars moving between teams those transactions are so fun how can baseball get a little bit closer to that? Uh, I think has to be the goal and it'll be complicated, but it's it's frustrating for everyone. It's definitely frustrating for fans. It's uh, frustrating in my position. I, I I try to stay out of that game, but I despise how MLB stuff plays out where there's interest, reported interest, maybe talking to other sports. Don't do this. Wojnarowski or Shafter just tweets, boom. Explosion, big trade. There's not 40 tweets once a week leading up to it. And I, I'd love to see it move in that direction because it's it's so strange. These guys are gold glovers, platinum glovers, Cy Young Award winners. And teams are starting games in a few days. It's rough.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think for some of them, maybe the longer term contracts, which is what's still out there, but there's got to be some sort of concern of being late to spring training, getting a st- late start. Um, I know the season's six months, but it, that's got to be a bit of a concern. Um, kind of missing those reps because you know, hear you hear guys talk, I need 50 at bats, I need this many innings to get ready. Um, yeah, I just think as far as the signing deadline, I don't know if the do you think the PA will ever go for something like that?
2: That would be tough. It just gets uh,
0: so much leverage to the owners if you yeah. put a date, a hard cap on this is the
2: end here. So hey, Juan soto, sign on the dotted it. line. Yeah, it, it would be if we're going to do this, we want this. Like any any negotiation involving labor, and it it would need the players would need to feel. Speaking very broadly, the players would need to feel that this was not going to impact value. You know, if, if there's a deadline involved, yes, that that does spur action, but it can also be leveraged against either side. Yeah, it might work for the players, it might not. You know, if there's a hard deadline. I don't know if there's a such thing as soft deadlines, how you can do this, but it needs to be done in a way where both sides feel like contracts. I, I think this is the maybe my real stance. It needs to be done in a way where contracts will stay the same. They'll, they'll continue where they are and growing over the years, but you need to avoid something where it suddenly has teams leveraging it against players or teams will be saying the same thing, vice versa. You know, making sure it doesn't change the landscape financially too much i think is the only way that you're going to get everybody involved that's uh a, same money different timeline I, I know that's a bit of a wish but it it sounds like a lengthy
0: na- labor negotiation which
2: yeah yeah that's might uh, some issues thank but... god i don't cover uh thank god i don't cover real things i just cover some baseball you know but yes. it's a, that cuz that sounds complicated
0: yeah. So jumping back to the Blue Jays here, can this team compete as is in the American League East?
2: Yes, but a lot has to go right. They are, they're, they're as talented as they were last year, which was an 89 win team. Now, a team with 89 win talent can have some crap luck and win 85, or they can have everything go right and win 94. It's, it feels like a wild card team. This team needs to be making a run at the division. At least give yourself – try to give yourself a best three out of five to start the postseason. And if you go 0-2 again, Mike, at least you've got another kick at this. Because three out of four years, 0-2, 2 2 I think the the goal needs to be higher on the division. That does seem lofty right now. We'll see. But it's a team that I think is just as talented – if anything, they're maybe 99% as talented. So I don't think they're more talented, but they need more things to go right. And they need to figure out what the heck is happening in the wild card round. Why is this team flopping in the wildcard round? It's the impossible question. It's the question that guys like Justin Turner are still trying to figure out coming from LA. You know, those were such successful teams, but eight out of those nine years in the playoffs, they didn't make it. It's, you either win the world series or you don't, you know, it it doesn't matter if you get close. It's about making a real run and there's just something missing in the wild card. I don't know what it is. The players are still figuring out what it is, but this team is absolutely good enough to get back right to that same spot. But I think what, I think this team has lost the benefit of the doubt. Maybe is the best way to say it. Even if this team wins 98 games, and makes it to the playoffs, I know that everybody, and probably myself included, will be sitting here on October first, saying, "Okay, prove it." You yeah, know, been here before, got to prove it. So it's all about getting there, and just that missing link. There's something missing. They need a moment. They need a player. They need a style. Something. But there's just something missing at the end. See, you were you were so optimistic
0: there for a little while, and then you just <laughs> ap- you just fell off the cliff there at the end, but. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's probably a wildcard team again, and and like you said, who knows with that short series. But I guess to round out here, with so much camp left and so much spring games and leading up to spring train, leading up to opening day, what's kind of one one thing fans should be watching that people may not be, you know, thinking about at this point as far as this team.
2: And when I I look around beyond the obvious names, like eliminate Vladdy and Bo and Gosman and all that stuff, I always think Danny Jansen should be a bigger story, frankly, on this team. I, I think he is so important on this team. I think the Blue Jays should really be prioritizing extending him. And I think that if you can get Danny Jansen into 120 baseball games, that is one of the single biggest improvements this team can make offensively. He's a guy that can hit 25 home runs. He, I, I love his identity as a pull hitter. He's a guy who just, I've I've heard it a billion times. I want to hit the ball to all fields, more well-rounded. Danny Jansen says, you know what? I'm at my best when I pull the ball for power. I'm going to try to do that more. Breathtaking counter to, uh, to the typical thinking. It works. I think he is such an important part of this lineup, uh, how it's constructed. Alejandro Kirk even is important in, in the catching sense as well but he is who who I point to on offense and defense. I know we've touched them, but Tiedemann and I really think Bowden Francis is an important part of this team. It's nothing catches my attention more than another pitcher talking about a fellow pitcher like Chris Bassett talked about him. Gosman and others have talked about him. I think he's going to be a real important part and you need some of these guys. You need someone to be a big success story. Somebody's got to do it. And, uh, I think those are the guys who can at least raise the ceiling of this team. The floor is good enough. The floor on this team is fine. It needs a higher ceiling. And if it's not going to come from prospects getting shots, it's got to be from those guys like Jansen, get him into 120 games, let him mash. And I think people will see a guy who's one of the best catchers in baseball.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing that people forget is some guys internally can perform better, which obviously raises that ceiling, but Again, Keegan, we appreciate you taking the time. It's always great insight, and and we're excited for the season to get going, and, and we wish you the best of luck in your final days in Dunedin.
2: I appreciate it, guys. Thank you.
0: Well, that was another great episode with the with a familiar face to the show and and some great insight on the Toronto Blue Jays spring training and what this season could potentially look like.
1: Always a great time hearing from Keegan. You know, two things that stood out to me about that conversation, Matt. The first being, wow, there's a lot of depth in the infield, but a lot of guys who he, he mentioned, like they do a lot of things okay, but how many guys in that group? You know, the guys were talking about competing for jobs. Bo Bichette, we know his job is secure. Justin Turner, we know his job is secure. IKF, he's got a major league deal. He's making big money. He's going to be in the bigs. Like, Aralvis Martinez, he sounds like a guy who kind of does one or two things really well, right? Power and a big arm, but at second base. So, And, and the other thing that, that stood out to me, Matt, is uh, Bowden-Francis. And he mentioned the, you know, because Ricky Tiedemann's obviously going to get a lot of attention this spring, as you'd expect. Um, Alec Manoa is a big story. Yariel Rodriguez is a big story, right? So Bowden Francis kind of sneaks under the radar a little bit amidst all the other spring training stories. And so those two things, Aralvis Martinez and the fact that he has such a high ceiling and what Bowden Francis can give this team this year, which might be some very important innings, uh, those two things really stuck out to me, Matt.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's never, never a such thing as a bad minor league deal. You look at Daniel back and, and having Eduardo Escobar, that veteran presence that can do, you know, they can kind of slot in in a few different places. But yeah, I, I think I'm excited to see a Martinez. I keep pushing for that, whether it's going to happen, maybe he does come up and strike out, you know, 17 of his first 20 at bats, who knows. But, you know, I think at some point he needs to get a shot to pop, like Keegan said, whether that's this year, who knows, Bowden Francis, reading between the lines a little bit in this conversation, it kind of seems like it's down to him and Alec Manoa for that fifth spot. Yerio Rodriguez is on a bit of an innings limit. Potentially they're going to try and stretch him out potentially in Buffalo. Ricky Tiedemann innings limit as well. He's unlikely to break camp with the team, which I kind of expected. So that leaves Manoa and Bowden Francis as that fifth starter. And, And it's good because there's a little bit more depth in this rotation this year than it seems like there was last year. But at the same time, there's a little bit of unknown as well with Manoa and Francis kind of trying to settle in as a big leader.
1: And interesting, isn't it, Matt, that you recall last year when Manoa uh, went away, it was Bowden Francis and Hunjin Ryu who really carried the mail for a while there, right? It was those two, as Keegan mentioned, sort of bridged that gap. There were a handful of other spot starts here and there. Trevor Richards pitched some big innings, but it really was Bowden Francis, you know, playing a very important role, and now he kind of gets to compete against, you know, the guy whose slack he sort of picked up last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's there having too much pitching really isn't a thing. Yeah. I mean, the more starters you can have, the more relievers you can have that you can rely on, the better. And it seems like they're kind of getting back to that after having such good health, um, in 2023, which let's just be honest, probably isn't going to happen again. So that to see this. Three, four pitcher mix and in, in line for that potential fifth spot throughout the years is definitely exciting for fans.
1: Yeah, like there were points last year where their depth was so thin, especially when Manoa went away, where it was like, what's going to happen here if Gosman takes a ball off the shin? You know, like I think we might have even had that conversation at one point last summer because it was getting really thin. And so at least at the outset this year, I mean, it feels like in spring training, everyone's got depth. But it really does seem like they have more sturdy depth this year. More guys you could lean on if you needed to, right? If Yariel Rodriguez needed to make a spot start, that's probably better than Wes Parsons. No disrespect.
0: I think a lot of people here might not even recognize the name Wes Parsons. So, (laughs) um, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And there's a lot of interesting storylines around this team, especially for one that's competing. Um, Like we talked about the infield depth. We've talked about... Um, You know, the pitching, it's going to be an exciting spring to watch. Maybe one of the more exciting springs as far as competition goes that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, And it's, that's exciting and nerve wracking I think for fans all at the same time. That's another episode of the Canadian baseball network podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We're looking forward to ramping up our blue Jays coverage here as spring training goes along and we head into the season until next time. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian baseball network extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And The Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college and youth baseball players.